MSW Media. Hey, this is Joel Stein. Whenever I want booze knowledge, I listen to what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. That's not what it's called. What's it called? We're drinking stuff. Drinking with Dan. Dan's drinks. I have no idea. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with and done. Welcome to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. I am Dan Dunn, and we've got a lot to get to on this episode. We're going to pack in a lot of great information about America's spirit, bourbon. So to that end, we're going to talk to Wes Henderson and Kyle Henderson, both of Angel's Envy, and they make some of the best whiskey in the United States. Wes Henderson is it just got inducted into the Bourbon Hall of Fame, and we're going to talk to him about that. Kyle, his son, makes the whiskey alongside his dad, and uh, he's going to walk us through how to taste whiskey, like from the second somebody pours it to you. So we're going to nose it, taste it, swish it around, do all that. Kyle is going to give us a blow-by-blow uh, primer on how to taste whiskey. So I'm glad you guys are here. Uh, it's good to um, be doing this. I had, I, I came from a, I had a big meal tonight. I went to a place in Santa Monica called Fia. Those of you who live in the Los Angeles area, it uh, used to be Wilshire. So it's this cool spot. It's got like a whole outdoor area. It's really good. The chef there is Brendan Collins. Uh, those of you who watch food type shows, he's well. He's been on Bar Rescue on Spike and and MTV's House of Food and Knife Fight on the Esquire channel. So he's the chef there, and uh, he does a great job. and And then the bar manager, they're the Godfather of cocktails in LA, they call him. His name's Vincenzo Marianella, and he oversees the beverage program at Fia. I'm only telling you this because I, I loved my meal tonight. And now I'm, I just ate and I'm sipping well, Angel's Envy. 2019 Cath Strength Bourbon. Yeah, I got ice in there. And we'll, we'll get into that later with Kyle. But yeah, I got ice in there. I like ice in there. What's it to you? But yeah, I'm sipping Cath Strength Bourbon. I'm talking to you. Life is good. I'm going to be next week on, uh, I don't know when you're listening to this, but on the, I think it's the 18th of October, Friday night, Denver, Colorado. I'm going to be at the Whiskey X Denver, doing a little emceeing, doing some camera work. You'll see me there. I think I'm going to give away a pair of tickets. I can do this. I can give away a pair of VIP tickets to uh, the Whiskey X Denver. I want you to go onto my Instagram. It's at the Imbiber at the imbiber that's the one t-h-e-i-m-b-i-b-e-r go there 
Just go to any random photo, recent one, let's go recent, and make the cleverest, cleverest comment you can. And do hashtag whiskey X, hashtag whiskey X, do that so I can search for it. And the most clever uh, comment, I'll give you a pair of VIP ticket, uh, tickets to the Whiskey X in Denver. Of course, you got to be either living in Denver or near Denver or somehow get yourself to Denver. But the VIP tickets will be there. St. Paul and the Broken Bones is playing. There's going to be about 60 whiskeys there. Food trucks. You can get jeans. You can just do everything. It's amazing. Ah! Yeah. It's that good. That's how good it is. All right. So um, one of the things I do, one of my gigs, is I write for a magazine called Bourbon Plus. And if you're a whiskey fan, you should be subscribing to Bourbon Plus. It's it's uh, it's a there's a wealth of knowledge in there. Okay. And one of the sections they have in the book, and if you can hear me, I hear. I just keep fuddling with that. There we go. One of the sections in Bourbon Plus is a uh, thing called Here's Proof. And it's just kind of tidbits, knowledge, tidbits of knowledge about whiskey. I thought I'd go through some of the stuff because there's some really cool stuff in the in the latest uh, issue of it. And, um, okay, so for instance, uh, this thing, scientific study. So before the likes of penicillin and aspirin, alcohol was used to cure sickness. And booze companies marketed themselves as restoratives. Some took it too far. Take Duffy's Pure Malt Whiskey, for example, which advertised it could help you live well into your 160s. 160s. And it could cure gout, cancer, and just about anything else. Doctors didn't care much for this false advertising. And boycotted the company. The, the government later placed a ban on non-validated medical claims and used Duffy's as an example of how to not market whiskey. So next time you talk about how rubbing whiskey on your kid's gums helps with teething, ask yourself, do I have an independent study to prove this? Also, zero, the number zero. That's the number of craft distillers in Kentucky in 2005. After Prohibition, Kentucky enjoyed the growth of many distilleries, small distilleries, which is what they were called before craft was coined. But by the 1960s, the little guys either closed, sold, or upgraded to the big leagues. By today's standards, Maker's Mark would have been a craft distillery when it opened in the 1950s. It has Graduated, you could say. Um, also, a num another number for you, 50. That's the number of whiskey cases M.B. Roland sold in 2010. And then 4,000 is the number of cases M.B. Roland will sell in 2019. This distillery in western Kentucky has developed a cult-like following in Texas, especially where people request the brand over better-known products. So there's some news for you. There's a little stuff uh, about it. And uh, since whiskey is the theme tonight, I wanted to also talk about how you store it. All right. I, I, I get a lot of stuff and, and I've wondered this myself. I've got shelves. I've got rooms. I've got, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I can to make sure that I don't 
mess my stuff up, like store it the wrong way or do, you know, I, mean, I don't want to ruin it. You don't have like a, you know, a good 25 year old single malt that you ruin. So fortunately there was an article uh, just this week on uh, liquor.com. Love those guys. And it uh, was about uh, how to protect your prize bottles of whiskey. And, uh, you know, these are, I guess, simple enough tips, but it's good, to, it's good to note them. And the first one would be keep them cool, okay? Obviously, you want to keep them in a cool space. You don't want fluctuations in the temperature. You don't want it to be 25 degrees at night and 80 degrees in the morning. So the garage could also be a bad idea. For that, uh, humidity is bad, you don't want to keep the your store your bottles somewhere where there's a ton of humidity because that really um, tends to have a negative effect on uh, what it does is it causes the bottle to expand actually and that damages the cork and the stopper and things get ugly. Along those lines, you want to avoid sunlight. Okay, uh, direct sunlight will do a number on your whiskey it degrades the flavors it throws out the the balance of the whiskey uh and it affects the temperature which can destabilize the spirit so you want dark you want cool you want uh consistent temperatures also you want to keep them upright okay uh, you peel, you know, you, you open that special bottle, you peel off the plastic and you lift off the cork and it crumbles and breaks off. We've had this happen. If you keep a cork, uh, immersed in a spirit, a high, especially a high alcohol spirit, it's going to make the cork disintegrate. Okay. This is easily averted. Just keep your bottles upright. Wine. On the other hand, you can store horizontally because the alcohol content in wine is not high enough to be able to, you know, fuck up the corks. But spirits, upright. Um, the other thing you want to do is uh, you want to open with caution. Because once you op open a whiskey, it, it starts to oxidize faster and the flavor compounds in the whiskey change and they start to get dull and uh you really kind of want to finish off a bottle of whiskey in a couple of months you just don't want it to sit forever so bear that in mind when you're opening up a sealed bottle um and then i guess that leads to the last tip that they gave us on liquor.com which was drink up and uh if you're in it to invest in profit sure but if you're gonna go out and buy a good bottle of whiskey Drink the bottle, right? Just drink it. We're not going to be here forever, are we? I hope not. I'm hurting my knees. Um, okay, so now we're going to get to some new products. I know you kids love it when I recommend stuff to drink and eat and read and do all that. And, um. Okay, so first thing I'm going to recommend to you is a uh, cognac, actually. Um, I don't, no, I don't drink a ton of cognac, but I do like the cognac. And uh, Ferrand Cognac has just introduced a thing called Ferrand 10 Generations Cognac. 
and it is a uh, it's a really nice bottle for sixty dollars. Okay, I want to tell you about cognac. So you want to start with the grapes, which is the most confusing part of the cognac equation. You're never going to drink those bitter, acidic white the wine that gets made from these grapes in the Charente region of France on its own. You're not going to, you know, but it's the foundation of the world's most popular brandy. And that, so that grape and that wine is made from the Uni Blanc grape. Okay. Um, the Ferran family has been in the Charente region of uh, Cognac since the 15th century. So you know what they're doing. And this 10 Generations Cognac that they just put out, I, I find it just really enticing. It's a very, very delicious. Uh, it's got some honey in it, and there's some, like, a little bit of acidity, a little bit of acidity in this cognac. But I, re- that I think that and the honey, when they get together, they tango a little bit, and it's pretty damn good. So that one. All right. Also, wine. I want to tell you about wine. I got a couple that are, these are very affordable wines from uh, the Hess collection, okay? Uh, if you know Hess Family Wine Estates, they're a family-owned fifth-generation company. They make really delicious wine in the Napa Valley. So I've had two bottles uh, that I just tried the other night. Um, the Hess Collection Napa Valley Chardonnay 2017. Uh, it's 100% Chardonnay from the Napa Valley, $22. And I got to tell you, I really like the wine. Uh, you know, it's starting to cool off now, but you know, it, you can still do Chardonnay. Okay. Um, this one has a lot of like really, uh, bright acidity and there's balance to it. Um, I, I just feel like it. I like the pear flavor and the apple flavor that's in there. And, you know, there's just a touch of oak, so you don't get that, like, heavy buttery stuff going on. And, and so Hess Collection Napa Valley Chardonnay 2017. Also from the Hess Collection is the Alomi, A-L-L-O-M-I, 2017 Cabernet Sauvignon. This was great for $32. Only 32 bucks. Napa Cab is not cheap, right? Especially those big, flavorful, you know, dense, well-integrated tannins, the, the, the big, round, plush mouthfeel, that black fruit and plum and all that going on. Look, those Napa Valley cabs are not cheap. But this one, 32 bucks. I'm telling you, it, it rates right up there with, uh, with, you know, some of the really hefty, big, bold cabs. And uh, I'd say go get it. Um, what else? What else do we have? Oh, I got a, a couple of more wines actually. Uh, so Sancerre, we're sticking to the we're sticking to the white a little bit too. Uh, Remy Pagnier, that's R E M Y, and then P A N N I E R. I'm probably just completely botching that. But it is a Sancerre from them. I loved it. I mean, I loved it. This is a really, really great wine. Uh, $35 a bottle. It's this pale gold greenish 
color and on the nose you're going to get grapefruit and gooseberries look it up gooseberries the palate just has lemon and herb and apple and it's full body but like a lot of minerality going on and it's a little dry and there's a little citrus and uh, like shellfish like with that with some shrimp my god my god that's good um I think when I say that was 35 bucks. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, is there any more wine? I'm looking around here. I'm looking around me. Uh, let me, while I'm thinking about it, can I just do a, uh, sip more of this angel's envy? Mm. Okay. Oh yeah. The other new product I want to tell you about was a wine, uh, from the place called the McGuigan wines, which is in Australia, South Australia. The, Claire Valley. This wine is called the Philosophy. It's 56% Cab and 44% Shiraz, which obviously is a primary grape over there in Australia. Um, very limited release wine. I don't know. I think like maybe a couple hundred cases. That's probably about it. Um, it's a, just a very deep crimson colored wine and it's got cassis on the nose and blackberries and dry herbs and it's a really full body. Like you're drinking this thing. There's a lot of heft to it. Okay. Um, depth and just velvety tannins and it's about 14 and a half percent alcohol. It's delicious. Now that's the good news. The bad news is it's $125 a bottle. But as I said before, you're worth it. So the McGuigan, the philosophy, go get some. All right. What else I got? Yeah, so I guess it's time to get to our interview with uh, Wes Henderson. Wes Henderson is the owner, CEO, master of all space, time, and dimension at Angel's Envy, which is, you know, if you're a whiskey drinker uh, and you drink American whiskey, you know Angel's Envy. It's the great stuff. And let's, I, I, I actually talked to Wes at Bourbon and Beyond, um, which is this big festival in Kentucky that I went to and met musicians and whiskey makers and all that good stuff. And this was a couple of days after Wes had gotten inducted into the Bourbon Hall of Fame. We also had a heart to heart about our mutual friend who had uh, passed last year, um, Dave Pickerel, uh, who Wes actually delivered the eulogy at Dave's funeral. So this conversation got a little heavy too. So here it is, me and Wes Henderson at Bourbon and Beyond. I'm, uh, there, you know, what we're doing out here at Bourbon and Beyond, we got bands, a lot of artists, a lot of big name artists that have been uh, on this show, and there are a lot of them that are here. But really, one of the, you know, the, there's the bourbon part of this as well, and there are superstars of the bourbon world in Kentucky at Bourbon and Beyond, and I've got one of them sitting here with me right now. In fact, uh, just this week, he was inducted into the Kentucky Bourbon Hall of Fame, uh, and he is the man behind Angel's Envy, one of my favorite bourbons in the world, fantastic whiskey, Wes Henderson. Thank you. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. You Can know, when you said there's bourbon legends here, I started looking around. I'm yeah, like, who, who are you talking about, on. man? Don't uh, be modest, it's, man. It's, I tell you, it's been, a, it's been a surreal week. 
It yeah, really how, has, so let's talk about that Bourbon Hall of Fame. It uh, I don't I don't know if it's really sunk in yet. It, it's a little emotional. You know, Dad was in the inaugural Bourbon Hall of Fame. Dad class. Lincoln, yeah, legend in the in the businesses as well. Yeah. Exactly, and to to be there on that stage, and then when I looked out in the crowd and I saw like Jimmy Russell and Bill Samuels and you know and uh, uh, Steve Nally and, and there are too many to, to name here, but that I consider the true greats and, and people that I grew up around and people I look at as the the icons of the industry to be mentioned in the same breath is, is, is uh, you know, it's a little different, a little difficult to comprehend, but you know, we've done some fun things with Angels Envy. That's I think it. we've done some cool things and I think we've, you know, we've managed to, to, to do some things that, that have really impacted the industry and, you know, it's a blessing. What would you say are some of those things that you've done that you think have, have, have had that sort of impact? Well, I think if you really tied back to kind of what our core premise has been with the secondary barrel finishes, you know, Angel, you know, as, as you know, bourbon has BH in a new oak barrel. After that, after our bourbon ages there, we finish it, for example, our whiskey, our bourbon whiskey in port wine barrels. We finish our rye whiskey and rum barrels, and that's something that's been done with scotches for forever. So, why are you? What, what do you think? It, what, do you, what are you extracting from that port? From those port wine barrels for the bourbon? I, what I kind of flavor uh, notes? From the port wine, you're going to get some dried fruits, mostly, uh, maybe just a, a hint of sweetness, but it, it's very slight. But uh, more than anything, the viscosity of the port barrels kind of rounds out the, the rough edges on a bourbon, so it smooths it out. It gives it a nice mouthfeel, a nice long finish, and um, uh, you know, it just all comes. In. One of the cool things about Angel's Envy is it, it, it's good for some that's new to the category because because of that. because you think it's more a little bit it's approachable it's approachable yeah. that's a, and that's Got a it. great word yeah. uh, you know smooth is a word people use a lot but it's not a really good descriptor because it means a lot of different things to different people but I love approachable so it's very approachable but it's got that complexity because of that port barrel finish. So somebody that, that, that is experienced in the category can enjoy it as well. It's kind of the best of both worlds. Yeah. And you're and you guys how long has Angels Envy been around? We launched in 2011. And that so for a brand that is relatively new, I mean, especially when you're talking about, uh, you know, some of the people you mentioned earlier, when you're Russell's, obviously, is Wild Turkey. You've got Freddie No, you've got it Beam, you know, Woodford Reserve, all these, all these iconic brands. And you guys are mentioned always in the same breath. And that's, that's it's really an accomplishment for a brand that's been around for, what, eight years? Right. Um, yeah, I started working on the project in probably 08 is when the, the wheel started turning. And you know, this was not going to be my career. It's not what it's not. I'm gonna say it's not what I wanted to do. I had a different path, and it wasn't until Dad had been retired for a few years that the thought came into my head. Well, you know, might, might why not try to do this as a family? It might be fun, and it was just a, honestly a crazy ass idea. And I ran it past my dad. I flew up to Kentucky and I ran it past dad and said, Dad, what do you think? I want to start this bourbon brand. Well, you know, well, you think it might be fun to work together? Dad said, oh, sure. Well, you know, sure be fun, whatever. So I don't know if dad ever really believed that we were going to make it happen. But oh, that's all I needed. When he said, OK, uh, we're off to the races, man. And, and uh, we put together a little partnership of, of really cool people. And, you know, fast forward to 2019, um, you know, I, as you mentioned, I think we're, we're often spoke of in the same uh, sentence as some of these other guys, which just blows me away. I mean, I've written about Angels Envy numerous times for the Rob Report, and, and I've included it in my list of the 15 best bourbons that you can buy, and I meant that. I mean, this is this is a fantastic whiskey, and you've done an amazing job, and you were you were honored for it this week in the Hall of Fame. It's funny, I, I was thinking of you because I just, this being a music festival and also a bourbon festival, I was just over at the Blackened Tent. I've been friends with those guys, and, and I was uh, good friends with Dave Pickerel, and I thought of you because I remembered as I was walking over here that you 
were particularly tight with Dave Pickerel. And so everybody knows who we're talking about out there. Dave was uh, the master distiller at Maker's Mark. And then he had Whistle Pig, which was another one of his big ones. He had Hill Rock. Was that him too? Yep. Hill Rock. And then his final project was Blackened, a whiskey project he's doing with the band, or did. Eh, weird. With the band Metallica, and then he passed away uh, way too young. Was it was last year? It's year been all, no, it's been almost, almost a year to the day. Wow. Um, Up yeah. in San Francisco. Yeah. yeah. And, it was uh, right, right before, right during Whiskey Fest. But you guys were very tight. Yeah. And how did that, did you, were you thinking of Dave when you were up there at the Hall of Fame? I was thinking of Dave, and I was thinking, I was on a uh, panel a little while ago with, uh, with you know, with the Black and guys, and we, we, Dave's name came up, and it's funny, Dave, uh, I made I made reference to Dave doing the belly flop at Tales of the Cocktail in a Speedo <laughs> bathing suit, and how that's something <laughs> that you can must never have been unsee. A <laughs> um, it, but in the same breath, I'm like, and I was t- I told the crowd, I was like, you know, Dave would be laughing his ass off right now to hear that, and uh, yeah. you know, and I tell you what, what even is more, and I get emotional when I talk about Dave, but because I, I looked at Dave, and I still look at Dave as such a legend, and after he passed away, you know, I, I got word from a lot of different people. And his family, especially, that said, Wes, Dave considered you one of his best friends, and he admired you so much. Yeah. And to hear that from somebody that you admire sure. more than anything, uh, and as you can see, my eyes are a little no, watery right I, now. No, I, I see it, man. And it's, it's you know, it's a, uh, he was, he was a big guy, and he lived big life, and he had, and I, I like, I mean, I couldn't believe it. I remember I got the word. Actually, he had been at Elixir up in yeah, with H. H. Yeah. H is a good buddy. And then I saw something on Facebook or something, and I just thought, my God. And I, I got to see Dave uh, right be- at Tales, the previous Tales. And we had a, one of the best nights out. We went around, and Dave brought out a, b- a bottle of the Boss Hog. And we were walking around Frenchman's, and he's got a full bottle. And you're walking up to the bars, and they would say, uh, well, you can't come in with that. And Dave would say, ah. I say, he made it. And they said, all right, bring it in. Bring it in. And Dave just started pouring it for the whole bar. But but I, I got to figure, that, oh, the spirits of all, not just not just Dave, but all these people that have come before you, you have now joined this club that uh, is uh, one that is I'm so, so doubly impressed. Obviously, you have the pedigree, your family. Lincoln was a, a, you know, just one of the, you know, Mount Rushmore type people in the industry but to do what you've done and to do it so quickly and to be held in esteem with all these other brands it's just it's really really impressive man I appreciate that um yeah I have no words I'm so I'm so grateful I'm so thankful you know when your industry recognizes that as I said about Dave these are people I've looked up to my entire life and for them to I'm not saying validate because I don't really need a validation but for them to say we appreciate how you've helped us elevate this industry well and you've here's the thing too Again, touching on Dave. Dave was obviously the guy was more than willing to experiment. The last thing he did, I think, was incredible. The sonic enhancement that he does with Black, and and you're doing the same thing. Like you're, and that's what the industry needs. And with all due respect, I by no means am I trying to somehow say that the the old ways aren't. There's the classics are the classics for a reason, but. You got to adapt. You got to be nimble, and you got. And people are looking, and the Scotch industry certainly doing it, and uh, and and now it's happening. And you're, I think, Angels Envy is one of the leaders on that. And I, I, I definitely agree with everything you just said. And and it, it's a uh, look. I think as as being one of the people who are blessed to make bourbon, we have to honor the history of bourbon, which we do. But as long as you're honoring the history of bourbon, you have a license to 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 futz around a little bit. 
you know, to, to innovate, to, to be creative and do other things. And, and we, I believe we do both. And, um, but I still strongly believe in the responsibility to honor the, the, the legacy of bourbon and, and to preserve that history. As long as you're doing that, in my opinion, I think you, 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 you kind of given a pass to do some of the other stuff. Well, you feel it here. I mean, I feel it just walking around here at this festival because there are so many amazing whiskeys here. You feel that history, right? And that weight of that history of this, this is one of the most iconic products that America has ever produced. It's a uniquely American thing, bourbon, whiskey, and it's loved all over the world. And you feel it here. You, this is, we're in the epicenter. What is it? 95% of all the world's bourbon comes from within a 60 mile radius of Bardstown. You're right. right. Yeah. And, uh, and, you know, and having you here on the show with us, a an honor. I, I always love seeing you, and I gotta say, man, I love I love being able to say this too. Hall of Famer Wes Henderson of Angels Envy. Where can they, people find you on? Are you on the social media? Wes? I am. You uh, are. You're originally, it. it was begrudgingly, but I have some really incredible interactions with uh, friends and fans of the brand, and I'm on there a lot. So, I, and I love. So it's uh, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. It's KY Bourbon Maker. <laughs> And you know I, I'm on there more a lot, but it's just to converse with people and well, say, you go hey. out, right? You go out and do stuff. You do, you, do. You're on the road a lot, doing being an ambassador for the brand, and you get that passion, right? I mean, you got people coming up to you at, at all these festivals, and it's 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 so much fun, and it, it to, for people to show appreciation for something you've created, and and you know, and and look, I mean, we are we are with people in, in with Angels Navy, for example, we're with people when they celebrate things. And for somebody to say, hey, we had you at our wedding or we had you at our reception or, you know, we toasted a friend who passed away or, you know, our birthday or promotion or whatever. Uh, I like to hear those stories because I think it's really cool. And it, it may sound kind of kind of I don't think it sounds weird. I, I think it's I like being and knowing that I am present or my brand, not necessarily me, but my brand is something I've created as present at, 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 at important moments in people's lives. There's a craft to it, and I think that's what people respond to. Is you can't bullshit this, right? You can't. There, you know. We you tell can, a lot of bullshit. You yeah, know? I mean, yeah. I mean, there's but, a lot of bullshit in this, but but I know what you're saying. But you, but, you, but the, you have but to be authentic. Product, the product itself is genuine, and and I think as fans of whiskey understand what what goes into making a a quality whiskey. And, you know, look, I've had shitty whiskeys, and I've had plenty of shitty whiskey, and I still get them. They get delivered all the time, and. To see, you know, to have guys like you and, and, and most of the people that are here at this, all the people, should I say all the people? I shouldn't say most. I, I think so. I, I, I think, think all the people that are here at this festival. Everybody contributes, man. And, uh, and I think that's what people respond to the most is the idea that this is something that I know that care went into this product and it tastes good because it's real, not because they put some chemicals in it that were made in the factory in Newark, New Jersey. Everything that went into this uh, is, is, is real and, it's, and it comes from people building barrels and people working that line and it's there's no you know drones uh, as far as I, you know i mean drones in the in the Actually, i do have a drone <laughs> you do <laughs> but but it's to the the stated reason i purchased it was to look at the uh, look at the tops of the warehouses okay but i just bought it because i think it's fun and, and drones it's cool, are fun. Yeah, yeah, cool yeah yeah I mean. so well listen wes i always great to see you man and uh, con- congratulations again on the hall of fame uh nod uh does this mean that you probably won't return my emails anymore if I. It may take it. me a little bit longer. Who's that? Um, well, send I've him got a monogram. My publicist. Towel. Yeah, no. <laughs> Look, I'm still the same goofball I was before, and um, it's always a joy to visit, man. I appreciate it. Hey, thank you, brother. Thank you. Now by this time, I'm 
plenty high. I'm plenty high. Yeah. One bourbon, one scotch, and one beer. So, yeah, that was Wes Henderson. And uh, really enjoyed talking to the man. So much so that I was like, you know what? Let me talk to your son, too. So I did. Uh, a couple of weeks uh, after I did that interview with Wes, so just this week, uh, Kyle Henderson, who makes the whiskey there at Angel's Envy, a 30-year-old guy, just sharp, uh, he came out here and uh, I got to talk to him as well. And so what we're going to do here, and this is very, like, you might want to get out a pen and paper here, folks, because he's going to walk us through how to taste whiskey like a pro. Okay, seriously, this is your moment. Like, get out a pen and paper, write it down. Maybe if you want to pause for a second, stop this. Go get yourself a little snifter of whiskey. Bring it out. Get ready. Taste along with us. Here's uh, Kyle Henderson telling you how to drink whiskey. So I uh, it was a, a real pleasure to speak to Wes Henderson in Kentucky. Uh, and hopefully it'll be at least half as pleasurable to speak to his son, Kyle Henderson, who's with me now, has ventured west to Santa Monica, California. We are in one of the uh, sort of the, the hot places in Los Angeles or Los Angeles area. It's called the Chestnut Club in Santa Monica, California. And with me is Kyle Henderson. How are you, buddy? I'm wonderful. Good to see you, man. And uh, you came bearing whiskey. We did. Is, we always do. You got a lot of Angel's Envy with you, and that's always exciting for me. Um, I want to talk to you. First of all, I was, you know, congrats on your dad getting the Hall of Fame nod. That was fantastic. Uh, was that the Hall of Fame he got there? It was the Hall of Fame, yes. He yeah. got that, and congrats on that. And then uh, so you're, you're basically kind of making the whiskey over there at Angel's Envy, right? You're you're not the master distiller, you are the I'm the distillery manager. It's it's um more or less the same thing without the the prestige of the title. I've only been doing this nine, ten years, so You're a young buck. You're yeah. a young you're thirty years old. Thirty years old, yes. And you've already accomplished a great deal in this industry. Oh, I'm very years. fortunate with yeah. some of the opportunities that I've been given. And your grandfather, obviously a legend mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in the industry Lincoln Henderson, what did what did he pass on to you? Uh, quite a bit. So you know, I, I was fortunate enough to work with him for the last um, two or three years of his life before he passed away in 2013. And w- one of the the largest learnings that I had from him was um, just kind of keep your mind open and learn. You know, he, he even in his last days, he was still trying to learn and, and develop and, and teach himself new things, um, whether it was for whiskey or, or any of his other passions. Um, so I, I've taken that to heart and. I like to soak up information like a sponge. Well, speaking of information and learning, you're going to help us learn something here because you you are an expert. And one of the things I think that I, I, people say to me a lot is they feel challenged, intimidated even, about how to taste whiskey. Absolutely. How do you do it? Okay. And so I was hoping that we could kind of go through this a little bit. We've got... We've got some in front. You're going to give us a, a, a step-by-step, blow-by-blow way to become a whiskey, maybe not an expert, but at least proficient at Absolutely. it. So you, so you don't feel you don't feel overwhelmed when you do it. So we got in front of us 
we got some whiskey in front of us. Tell us what we have here. So this is our flagship product. It's Angel's Envy Bourbon finished in port wine barrels. So it's the stuff you see on the shelf every day, you know, forty nine ninety nine. Um, a, a very complex whiskey, but it, it's simple enough that we can easily walk you through a tasting. And this is really fun for me because we actually have done uh, a simplified version of this for every public tour that comes through the facility. So about 50,000 people a year, we do more or less this exact same thing. Because like you said, a lot of people are intimidated by it. But if, if you're kind of explained what you're looking for and, and how to do it a little bit, it's actually very, very easy. And it, it comes naturally if you, if you know what you're trying to do. Okay. So... We got the glass in front of us. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the first thing we want to do is we're going we're gonna to look at it, right? Absolutely, yeah. You want to get the appearance first, the visual. So you'll swirl the glass around, and, and we've got what we call a copita glass in front of us. Um, you can do it with a cognac glass, a Glencairn, a rocks glass. They all, they all serve you know, a similar purpose. And just so you know at home, the copita glass basically kind of looks like a, a like a small chardonnay glass almost. yes yeah, yeah. It's, it looks like a mini chardonnay glass yeah okay. these are these are originally designed for sherries and ports okay um, fortified wines so yeah you're going to swirl it around you want to kind of hold it up to a light and as you swirl it you see if, if you know as you swirl whiskey and and rums and things any spirit wine as well you'll get a residual amount that stays in the glass and that kind of runs down the glass it's called the legs and in whiskeys what that can tell you is is a, a general aspect of the age. So the older it is, the thicker that'll get. It'll get, a, you know, we call it fatty acids. It picks up some fatty acids. And with more of that, that, that leg will be nice and thick. It'll take a little longer to run down. So it's yeah, it's moving slower. Yeah. It's not, it's it's thicker. It's not, it's not so thin. And Correct. So what's the age on this? Uh, this is about six or seven years old. Okay, yeah. six or seven years old. Mm-hmm. So now what about the importance of the actual color you'll read this a lot in reviews they'll say it's a you know light amber color what does that mean like it, the, the darker it is I'm, it means it's got more more of the wood in it more wood and, and, and specifically in bourbon where we are legally not allowed to add any color uh, it can it can be another indicator of how old the product is uh, assuming that it's a 53 gallon barrel um, so you know a four-year-old product it'll have a good caramel kind of a copper hue to it uh, as it gets older it'll get, dar- it'll get darker it'll be harder to see through it won't be as uh it won't be as clear um now where that can get confusing is if you're using a smaller barrel or, or a larger barrel using a 10 gallon or 15 gallon or 100 gallon barrel that can skew that off but for the most part i'd say 95 percent of the whiskeys that people are drinking are, are aged in a 53 gallon and barrel. is that just is that just a matter of tradition or is there an actual practical reason for that. Mostly tradition. So uh, before World War II, most of the barrels were 48 gallons, and that was kind of the standard. And the U.S. government asked the distilleries to conserve wood and steel, which is what barrels are made out of, hoops for the hoops to hold the wood together. Um, so they, they grew the size from 48 to 53 gallons. And the majority of the racked warehouses that are in the state of Kentucky were all designed for 53 gallon. So you can't really change that. It won't really fit anything else. And then you just kind of continue doing it. So it's tradition now. Okay. So now we've established the color. We've looked at the legs. Now we're going to do what? We're going to nose it? So now you're going to nose it. And this is really important. Um, A lot of people are going to kind of jam your nose in there. You you think nosing, oh, let me get my nose all the way in the glass. You don't want to do that. Um, There's going to be two things you want to do. You want to kind of run the glass under your nose. Okay. 
Don't don't stick your your nose in the glass. So what Kyle's doing right now, he's got it about an inch or two away from his nose mm-hmm. and just kind of moving the glass underneath your nose. It almost like you're just catching a whiff. Yeah, just a little whiff. And the yeah. other important thing is open your mouth. It doesn't have to be wide open. Just, you know, kind of crack your lips yeah. and inhale with you both your nose and your mouth. And and the issue with jamming your nose in cuz people do that with wine and you can do it with wine. Yes. The issue with jamming your nose into the glass is that that alcohol is going to going to burn out your nose, Oh, right? very much so. It'll overpower everything. So for a wine, you're, you know, what, 10, 15% alcohol. Exactly. You know, this whiskey's 43%. So it's it's multiple times more uh, boozy than than a wine would be. So yeah, you don't want to you don't want to over overload your senses with that alcohol. Now, when you're when you're nosing, and again, I'm going to go back to and you know, I do this. I write reviews. But when you're nosing, or when people read reviews and and they hear the writer talks about what they're getting on the nose, what, where do you, how do you recommend people approach it in terms of identifying what they're smelling? Is it just something that it comes with practice or is it like, do you want to clear your mind or, or, or should you be looking for something particularly when you're nosing? Or? I think you hit it on the head. It's, it's practice. Um, everybody perceives aromas and flavors differently. A lot of it's linked to memory. And if you remember a, a very particular banana aroma, if you don't get that exact aroma, you won't connect it with banana. Even though isolam alcohol, that's banana oil. That's what banana is. But if for you, you know, if your grandmother made banana pudding, you think of banana mixed with the vanilla and the wafer and things like that. And that's the only aroma you get for banana. And that's okay. Um, so it, it's a lot of practice. So sometimes you may be looking at other people's tasting notes and you're picking up a glass of whiskey or wine or whatever and go, all right, somebody got banana. I can, okay, I can kind of see banana. And you begin to associate that banana with banana. Okay. Um, but that's not to say that you're wrong or what you perceive as banana was, was, was not or was. I mean, it's, it's, it's very, very um, subjective. Okay. So now we do the nose. Yeah. And then it becomes... Anything, anything, anything before you take the, the before you take that sip. You've, no, no. Just now you've established what you you've got it. You've got the scent. Yes. So now how do how do you do that first so, sip? A big sip, a small sip. What we do in the distillery, we actually do a three part sip. So the very first one, you take a very little nip, okay. and you're going to want to kind of swish it around your mouth and get it out. Swallow it, get it over with. Priming your palate a yeah, little bit. Yeah. Okay. Mm. It's going to burn a little bit, especially at higher proofs. Okay. What's the proof on this one? Uh, 86.6 proof. 86.6, yep. okay. Um, so yeah, it, you, know, you don't get a whole lot. You get a little bit of caramel notes, things like that, and, and heat from the alcohol. And that's okay. That first one's going to acclimate. It's an acclimation sip. Okay. Now the second one, take a little more. This is this is like a good, a good heavy sip. Let it roll around in your mouth for a second or two, then swallow it. And then you can see you're starting to be able to maybe to begin pick up flavors. Oh yeah, absolutely. That burn is gone. It's not. It's not gone, but but you're used to it now. It's been. It's been. It's certainly been mitigated a bit. Yep. Like it's down. You know. Mm. So now you can get. Oh, okay. I can get some oakiness. It's. Uh, you know, remind, remind you of like sawdust, your grandfather's workshop, something like that. Now what? The, what the other thing that ends up happening when you taste is you're getting stuff sort of on the outside of your. You know, is where your cheeks are, mm-hmm. and you're getting stuff in the mid palate. What's going on there? Oh, your saliva glands are going crazy. Okay, yeah. so so there's a, there's an, the chemistry there, sort of dictates why where why certain flavors are stimulated in certain parts of your mouth, right? Absolutely. So c- concentrations of certain chemicals from the wood, 
So the the wood during charring is going to break down a lot of hemicellulose and sugars and things, and the alcohol is going to react with that and um, more or less dissolve it into the spirit. And at different levels, those things will perceive differently as you taste it. So different vanillins, which gives a perception of vanilla, if it's paired with other acids or esters or other compounds, you may or may not taste it. It's going to be in every single whiskey that's been in a barrel. You're going to have some van- vanilla, uh, vanilla aspects. Sure. But if there's other things that are overpowering or mask that, you may not perceive it on the on the palate. Um, so depending on the whiskey, you may or may not get a dryness, a bitterness on the on the outside of your mouth or the inside of your mouth or you know the front things like that. See, with that one, with this one in particular, I definitely got a, uh, not a bitterness, but there was a bit of a tang to it. Right? Just a right. little bit just of tannic a, yeah, acid, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and then in the, in the sort of in the middle, in the mid-palate, I got, there was a sweetness to it, mm-hmm. and I, I got there too. So interesting to me how different parts of my mouth are perceiving different flavors. A little, little contrast. Mm-hmm. So now, part three. What's part three of the tasting? You do it again. You do it again. <laughs> All right. I like this. I like how this is going. You know, it's interesting when I go out tasting for the whole night, mm-hmm. then I do it again and again and again and again and again and again. And then you tap. responsibly, of course. Yes. But yes always. So always responsibly, always. but responsibly more than three. <laughs> uh, all right. So I'm going to do my third sip here and, and same amount. Just a, yeah, about the same just a, amount. Just a decent. And, and you'll see if it's changed at all. And then the, the last thing we'll do, and we call it a three part tasting. We did the second part twice. That's this isn't really the third part yet. Um, so on that one, you're right barely any burn at all mm-hmm. like it it's now gone dead from that very first sip which is when i got the alcohol it hit me then i felt it on that on that third one right there i'm getting flavor now i'm yeah. not getting any burn yeah yeah and, okay. and this is where you really start to perceive things like if you're looking and just sit and think about it go okay yeah it tastes like whiskey well, what else is there what well, kind of reminds me of like a like a, a werther's candy okay what's when the Werther's candy butterscotch caramel okay maybe i get butterscotch and caramel sure that's that's how a lot of people will go from tasting whiskey to here's what i get is is an associative path and and how much of that is what's what goes into the mash bill like what the grains that are used in this whiskey is a very important part of i think what the flavor profile is all about yeah i'd i'd, I'd say the grain and the yeast are probably you know 20 25 of the flavor and aroma and the barrels the other 75 percent. okay yep all right so we did that now is there's another part this was part two of this was part two of two that was part two of two now so, so the third part is we're gonna add a little bit of water okay and in this case we're not gonna have a whole lot we've got i don't know probably an ounce in our glasses and I'm literally, I've got a, a glass of water in front of me. Normally, I do this in eyedropper, but okay. you know, we're in a we're in a bar in LA. We're going to be fancy. You can do it. You can pour it in. I like to just drip a few drops. I'll use my finger, get okay. my finger wet, and so drop like five or six drops. We are sticking our fingers in the glass. I sh- I knew I should have washed my hands <laughs> after I went to the bathroom, but I was in a hurry. Okay, so here we go. All right, Put and just that. just five or six drops. Putting not, some not drops a ton. in there, and you're going to s- kind of start the whole process over again. Swirl it a little bit. Look at it. And what's really cool is, especially as soon as you drop it in, you can actually see the water kind of, it doesn't really quickly disperse in the alcohol. Okay. Um, alcohol and water don't like to mix together unless they're agitated. Okay. So you can really kind of see it sit there, and it, it almost looks oily. It does. And there's and there are oils that, that happen from the distillation process and in the barrel that you can really see contrast with the water until you mix it. So you can see the, the color slightly change. It's a little diluted. It's a little bit lighter. 
but you want to smell it again. That that alcohol is going to be diluted, and it's going to release a lot of different aromas now that it's less. And that's what that's doing, right? The water is just simply opening it up a little that's bit. That's correct, yeah. Yeah. A lot of those compounds are, are alcohol-soluble, and as you dilute the alcohol, they're going to want to come out of solution. They're going to want to volatize out, and you'll get a different aroma. And one of the things I'm noticing as you do this is you are not, just so you know at home, when you're doing... Kyle's not swirling this like you swirl wine. No. He's agitating the glass. Yeah, so yeah. It, it's it's kind of helter-skelter, a little chaotic the way it looks. You know, you see people that got that really, and I'm one of them, I got to tell you, I got a really smooth wine swirl where you get that thing going around the glass and, you know, you look very suave. In this case, you're, you're it's almost like a washer. You want to get it moving. It's you like you're looking inside a washer and you see it yep. being, that's that's what's going on here. Yeah, yeah. you want because you want to get it mixed. You want to get everything nice and even. Yeah. Okay. So now we get to taste. We get back to the tasting. Well, part now you again? smell it again. Smell oh, it again. Smell it Open again. mouth. Oh yeah. You can see the aromas changed, not dramatically, but yeah. it's a little, a little more floral. And then now you get back to the tasting. Now you don't need to do the acclimation sip. We've already done no, that, so you can go directly to the bigger sip. Made it. Here we go. And for me, with this whiskey, when I add water, I get a lot more candy. Absolutely. Yeah. That's it. Right there. It does to me. It's kind of like a little, like a like a caramel candy, yeah. and that's what it tastes yeah. like. Wow. So, is there a uh, is there an end part to the tasting? Is there is there like a wind down part to how you taste whiskey? Or when the glass is empty. When the glass is empty. Now, what about uh, ice versus neat versus this? You know, like a, you know, it's really it's up to your preference. You know, on a hot day, I'd prefer a little ice in there. A little cools a little down. Now, if you do ice and whiskey. The cold is going to mute a lot of the alcohol burn. It's also going to kind of mask a lot of the flavors as well, okay. um, which which is okay as long as you recognize that and know that it's going to taste very different when it gets cold. That's okay. What about this idea that's often put forward, especially if it's a if it's a you know, an expensive whiskey? Oh, don't don't ever you know put ice in that or don't ever mix it with anything it's you're 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 bastardizing this exp- this really beautiful whiskey by doing that now i was once told way way back in the day by an old friend of uh, your dad's i'm sure and i'm sure you met it was booker back mm-hmm. in the day uh booker no uh, of the beam family and Booker said, "Drink it any goddamn way you want to drink, drink it." it. You know, yeah, as long as you're drinking <laughs> it, right? Do you agree with that? I mean, is there there's no wrong way? I mean, there's milk, no wrong milk, way. Milk's probably bad. You don't want to put milk in. Some it, ways but. are better than others, but yeah. there's no wrong way. Yeah. There's no wrong way. Yeah. But in terms of the the tasting, so do you recommend that? So people out there, you know, there's a lot of options. There's a lot of you know, and I do recommend Angel's Envy for sure. But there are a lot of options out there. Mm. Do you recommend people keep like a, like a journal or something where they're writing down? So personally, what it is they, I do. You do, I I, do. yeah, because I do that too. I mean, obviously, I write about it for a living. But what I like about this, and and maybe even almost break it down into categories and mm-hmm. go like, if I want a you know a sweeter whiskey, if I want a you know this that and the other thing, you do that. Well, I do that, and and actually, kind of for, for a different reason because your palate changes as you age, whether better or worse, doesn't matter which way it goes, but. It's kind of cool to go back and, all right, I had this whiskey. You know, in my case, I have Angel's Envy every day. Um, but I do I do sit down and kind of journal my notes every five or six months um, for different reasons. I actually have to do it for work. We create the control um, whiskey that the entire company uses 
uh, to do all of our sensory analysis. So I have to release the official approved sample every six months and, and try to keep that consistent over time. Um, but I take notes every time and, and, and kind of make sure I'm comparing it back to previous notes. Are we getting the same things? Because I may remember something different. Oh, I remember heavy butterscotch and caramel and vanilla and fruit, but I may have written down a lot more fruit than I, than I remembered. So having that as a reference is cool. Uh, and then to see how your palate changes. You know, you go back to the exact same bottle of whiskey a year later. Oh, I got something different. You know, was it me? Was the bottle oxidized? No, it was probably you. Okay. You, know, you, may, have, you may have improved your palate. Give me the, uh, the elevator pitch on the flavor profile of this particular whiskey. Of this Someone one. out there, they want to uh, tell me about this whiskey. What am I going to get if I buy a bottle of this Angel's Envy? So Angel's Envy is kind of unique. We, we take, after the, the initial aging in bourbon barrels, five or six years, we put it into ruby port wine barrels for about six months, which is a dessert fortified uh, Portuguese wine. And that brings a really cool characteristic to the party. It brings a lot of fruit, a lot of dried fruit, um, kind of figgy notes, jammy notes um, that you typically aren't going to get in most American whiskeys. Um, so for, for this, I mean, as with any whiskey aged in wood, you're going to get a lot of vanilla, a lot of caramel. It's very forward. It's very apparent. But especially as you add a little bit of water, you get a lot more uh, hard candy and dried fruit. Um, so some cherries, uh, Maybe some blackberries in there. And one thing that is not unique to our whiskey, but but is predominant in our whiskey, um, is chocolate. And one thing we do in the distillery, that's actually not coming from the barrel, at least not in our case. That's coming from the grain. So we like to show people, and I don't know if we have any here tonight, um, the new make, the new spirit coming off the still before it goes into the barrel if you let that evaporate on your hands and kind of rub it on your hands and let it dry and smell your hands, you actually smell the chocolate, and that's coming from the malt that's added to the mash bill. So that chocolate note really ages out nicely, and it's really soft and settled. It's like a bitter, dark chocolate, but it complements very, very well with the, the fruit from the port wine and the sweetness from the, the barrel. Now, with this particular whiskey, if you were going to make a, a cocktail with it, or two, yep. what do you think this really lends itself to? Well, in the distillery, we have a cocktail. It's, um, after my namesake, the Henderson. Um, it's, a, it's a riff on an old-fashioned, and we use a port wine sweet simple syrup. So we reduce port wine with some mulling spices. Uh, I, honestly, off the top of my head, I can't remember what's in there. But the recipe is on the website. So if you go okay. to the website, the recipe is on there. Um, but that accentuates the fruitness, the fruitiness from the port uh, into an old-fashioned. So um, the whiskey... The port wine syrup and a little bit of bitters on an ice cube and an, uh, an orange twist. It's that a perfect, perfect, simple cocktail. I've got a gold rush here, and I one of my favorites. Oh, and yeah. I'm really enjoying that, yeah. too. So, mm. well, i got to tell you, Kyle Henderson, uh, you have learned us Good. today some stuff. And uh, I think it's important. I mean, I, you know, with everything that's going on and, and people getting so involved in, in, in tastings and all these things... To have that base knowledge, mm-hmm. to be able to go out there and feel confident, you know, because there is a, you know, there is a, there's an intimidation factor to it. Absolutely. And uh, you have made, uh, I feel like I know a lot more already. Well, and, and, you know, it's good to remember this. You know, I've been doing this for 10 years, but at one point I was in everyone else's shoes. I don't know what I was doing. Yep. And, and it just practice, do it over and over again. You may feel awkward. I still feel awkward sometimes. It's all right. It's okay, man. Just, it's just a- go at it. 
So you hear that? Get yourself some Angels Envy. Try it. Oh, and you got some new stuff coming out too, right? We do. We do. So uh, on November 1st, we are launching um, 2019 Cask Strength. So it's a release we've done every year since 2012. And this year is really cool. We, there's actually, for the first time, um, we put some um, what we kind of call a little overaged whiskeys in there. So there's some 13, 14, and 15-year-old bourbon in the blend that's oh, making wow. up this year's cast strength. Um, a lot of honey, uh, a lot of, of really beautiful spice notes from the extra age in that whiskey. So it's it's really nice. And people go crazy for this, right? Oh, people yeah, are like lining well. up to buy this, right? Yeah, yeah. How quickly does it sell out? Um on average, about six weeks. You may find a few scraggler bottles at the at the end of the year. But so November first goes on sale. Do you know what the retail is on that? Uh, it should be one ninety nine. One ninety nine. So you hear you're hearing it now from the man himself. If you want this, the cash strength, the brand new twenty nineteen, you need to get get out there, get in line on November first. Yes. Or, can I get a bottle? Oh, you gonna we can we can uh, you know yeah. Uh, yeah. I might get a taste. Beth, I, Beth I get a taste. <laughs> we can yeah. we can do a taste for sure. <laughs> I get five percent off. Um, well, listen, Kyle Henderson of Angels Envy. This has been a what a what a thrill for me. I got to talk to your dad. I got to talk to you. I feel like I've learned a lot, and I really appreciate you uh, taking the time, man. Absolutely, I'm glad glad to be out here. All right, brother. Have a good one. Thank you. Hey, this is Tiffany Thiessen, and you're listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Hey, thanks, Tiffany. You're the best. So yeah, that was Kyle Henderson, and then we had Wes Henderson before that. The Hendersons are all over this podcast. So now we're going to get to the final bit of this show, and it's a little segment we call What's Driving Me to Drink? It's driving me to drink. Okay, so they give out awards in the spirits world. They give them out everywhere, right? You get them at your office, the accounting firm, at the Oscars, wherever. They're always giving out awards, the music business, art, you know, best gardener, stuff like that. So uh, there's this thing called the World's 50 Best Bars, and they make a list every year, and people in my industry go crazy about it, like, cause if, especially if you make that list. You're, this year, the best bar in the world, according to that list, was Dante in New York, which is a great bar. I love it. I highly recommend it. Is it the best bar in the world? I don't know. 50 Best Bars says so, but what the 50 Best Bars also did was they gave an icon award to a German uh, bar owner, a guy from Munich named Charles Schumann. I admit I've never heard of Charles Schumann before last week, but he has written a couple of books. He is the man in the German bartending world. Um, the New York Times called him the most famous bartender in Germany. Apparently the guy modeled. He's an old guy, though. He's like 70-something years old from the looks of his picture. He's an old man, okay? So they give him this award. Apparently, Schumann has a habit of sharing opinions about female bartenders that were dusty, outdated. He told Playboy Germany like 20, 30 years ago that a bar is no place for a woman. He backed that up a couple of years ago in an interview with the Japan Times. He is famously quoted, and again, I only know this because of you know what I'm about to tell you. So the, the, there's no place uh, for a woman behind the bar after 3 p.m. So he gets this award, and shortly after he announced this award, 
Facebook go, the social media goes crazy. Like people go insane. Now I have a lot of, uh, people in the bar industry, uh, on my, my, my Facebook friends. So I'm obviously I'm going to see an inordinate number of these posts, but the, the response was crazy. Like going after this guy, these comments. And this is my thought on it. The guy sounds like a, a douche. Sounds like a total douche. He's an old guy. He's got old guy thoughts about women and probably everything else. Was the response commensurate with the crime? Probably not. The guy gave his award back. Or gave it back. He was going to lose it anyway. So the award's gone. But the bigger point here that I want to make is about just awards in general and how worked up people get. It's arbitrary. It's completely, it means nothing. Dante, the bar in New York, is a great bar. There are bars within a mile of my house that I would, if you said, do you want to go to Dante or you want to go to Hinano? I might say Hinano. To me, the best bar is the bar that you're drinking in, okay? Don't go crazy, people. Don't lose your mind over things that don't really matter, okay? And this is, I mean, this is obviously, this is the world we live in, and especially with social media, but I'm reading these overwrought posts all week about from countless people in the industry, and I'm thinking to myself... Meanwhile, the Kurds are getting blown into oblivion, right? Okay, now people say, oh, false equivalencies and all that kind of stuff. Like, oh, yeah, that, that doesn't mean we can't. Yes, but have some perspective. Does Charles Schumann deserve to win this? No, he doesn't deserve to have any attention paid to him. And that's the issue is don't blow these things out. When All of it, whether somebody's shooting somebody or saying something politically or whatever, we blow this stuff so far out of proportion. And then the Charles Schumans of the world that I never should have known anything about become, it's in my head now. It's in your head now. We shouldn't know about these people, but we do because we overreact. And I would like to implore all of you, to just calm down. And remember this. I'm going to leave you with this. The surest sign that intelligent life exists elsewhere in the universe is that it has never tried to contact us. Thank you, Kyle and Wes Henderson. Thank you, you, for listening. And uh, check you out next time. I see to my bartender. I said, look, man, come down here. You got down now. So what you want this time? I said, look, man, oh, what time is it? He said, the clock on the wall said three o'clock. My last call.